Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. You are listening to a weekly publication, produced every Friday morning. The Kinky Cast is heard in over 150 countries. This week's episode is 239. In our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships, views expressed are not representative of the management of the Kinky Cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we present Cat on Chastity. Don't forget to stop by our webpage for loads of information about this show and others. KinkyCast.com. Here's your hosts, Woody and the Beast. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. The studio's full today, Beast. Yes, lovelies inside and out. Ooh. Known these women for quite a while. They were just sweethearts. Well, why don't you tell us who they are then? Well, on Mike, we have the lovely cat. Hi. And off in the corner is her friend, Miss Fairy Tat. She's going to be very quiet tonight because she has no microphone. Oh, no. But she's still lovely to look at. Yes, indeed. So we invited Cat to come join us tonight to talk about the very in-depth subject of chastity. And uh, you've been doing some research. Uh, research, personal knowledge, personal experience, you name it. I've kind of got it all for you all tonight. We've had a lot of listeners writing in and asking about chastity devices and uh, chastity techniques. And so we're going to kind of unfold this whole story for our listeners and uh, see where it goes. We're going to bring a little history in and some personal observations. And history is mysteries in this histories, case. Histories, yes, it is. A miscarriage. So, Kat, tell us what you got. Well, I guess the best place to start would be by definition. So Google defines chastity as the state or practice of refraining from sexual intercourse. I guess second, we need to cover history. So history states, first and foremost, that chastity in itself, uh, it's got a huge controversy. People say that it's myth. People say that these devices were actually implemented um, and worn on daily basis, and there's many reasons why. Um, from my research, my knowledge, etc., the creation of the chastity device can be followed all the way back to the Renaissance and Middle Medieval Ages. However, like I said, there's a lot of controversy over whether or not these devices were worn. Anything that I've ever read um, has always pointed to this argument. Any conversations that I've had with anybody has always pointed to this argument. And some believe that, like I said, they were... There were periods where they were implemented as anti-masturbation devices starting with the 19th century. Others believe that they date back to the Middle Ages and Renaissance. Um, one thing um, that I thought was, was funny is in this argument, there, there are two sides. That either the devices were historically correct and worn by women during a knight's crusade to curve the natural female promiscuous nature. Oh, my. I want to introduce to these natural women. Oh, I'm sure you would be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we're talking about these museum items that have been purported, and they're pounds of cast iron. Yes, pounds of cast iron that were worn by women. So when you think of a medieval era chastity belt, think of a... 15-pound cast iron, uh, three-inch thick 
uh, circle that went around the woman's waist that was attached to a U that went in between her legs and covered her genitalia with a small opening allowing for urination. Now, were these devices for the keep the women's hands off themselves, or I've always heard the legend they were to keep them honest. Uh, it's both, actually. It's both. According to legend, that's the word I'm going to use, um, it's either keeping them from their from themselves so they couldn't pleasure themselves because a lot of chastity you can actually uh research and go into uh religion you know sexual purity fornication between husband and wife only etc etc um even back during the medieval medieval period where you know the knights would go on crusade and it would be something of okay honey i'm gonna go conquer this land here why i'm gone (laughs) snap (laughs) yeah snap lock and um no dear john letter thank you it sounds kind of brutal and when you think of a cast iron device that weighs that much it must have been terribly comfortable it must have been um and actually you got to think of this time period so this time period lack of hygiene was rampant i mean we're talking about a time period where plague lice syphilis all of this was rampant Individuals didn't bathe every day. <laughs> Soap was a, was a commodity. <laughs> well, there was a, even a kind of a cultural stigma about overbathing. There was. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's why they, it was Saturday night bath, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's where a lot of that comes from. So these, these belts, even though they're said to have some form of padding in them to <laughs> uh, prevent against chafing, they were not made for long-term wear. Um, things like, uh, bladder infections, kidney infections, sepsis, uh, blisters, abrasions, et cetera, et cetera, would have happened just from the clothing, movement of the body, and friction. I mean, as a woman, and any woman knows this, there is a war zone at any point in time going on between your legs. Women naturally have good and bad occurring bacteria within their vagina and sometimes when you have intercourse or when you sweat too much or (laughs) when you're on a medication or you don't eat the right foods or you have the wrong kind of perfume etc etc you can wind up with bacterial vaginosis or bladder infection or or any kind of uti toxic shock yeah toxic shock toxic shock that brings me back to memory back to what was that the 70s -hmm. and 80s where that was a big thing tampons being in too long yeah it's the same thing for these devices and that brings me menstruation how did that work? That one. That's that was a, the Red Death then. Literally. It had to have been. Yeah. That's beyond a curse then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the bacteria that these things would have spread in a woman's genitalia with just plain metal, or even if they were padded. Think about when a woman, like you said, with toxic shock, tampons or pads that aren't changed regularly enough, now you're adding metal and chemical on top of that. Hmm. Metal not meant to be clean. Cause well, not but meant that's to be okay. Removed. They had air conditioning back then. Right, right. And, and, and they only wore, wore wool. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Sure. But are there any credible documentation of these actually 
being 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 used, or are they kind of a medieval gag? It's a medieval gag. One of the um, articles that I actually read um, talked about this device. I think it was in the 1400s, the first drawing of this device. And it was also published in a book that had fart jokes and et cetera of the like within its context. In other words, Beast, it's something that you'd invent. Yes. Well, I am, I am thinking of da Vinci. He drew a lot of things. Mm-hmm. A lot of things that he never actually made. Mm-hmm. And we've had our purient interest for, since we've been humans. So if this was just kind of a sexual fantasy ideal. Okay, so so some clever guy uh, built a belt and said, here, baby, try this on. And I'm going to the Crusades. Click. <laughs> Which, I mean, that happens today in the world that we you know, experiment it, it, all the it time does, with mixed results. <laughs> Very yeah. true, but uh, thankfully, with medical technology being what it is today, not the degree of mixed results <laughs> that they would have experienced then, due to lack of knowledge and lack of hygiene and lack of medical technology. How true! How true! Sounds like a real. A possibility for disaster. So, so, so there are no credible accounts of a woman. Well, women weren't literate either. We must remember that. You know, we weren't. We were barefoot and pregnant in property. In, in this case, not pregnant, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, women writing journals were kind of a, even more rare. But in the modern ages, we still have these devices floating around. Are they used now today? We do have them floating around, and in all honesty, the design of such device has not changed very much at all for female chastity. Um, they're still either some form of metal, some of them are plastic, um, they are still in the same form that they were then of the belt, quote-unquote, and the U-shaped piece that connects with a lock in between the legs to cover the genitalia, allowing for urination. They still experience the same problems. Um, women, women do wear them, but from my knowledge, um, chastity in itself is more of a male-dominated play. Um, and I think that that is partially to do with the taboo of a dominant society-driven egotistical, <clears throat> you know, man that you know no, we're supposed you to have. Are, you're choking on those words, aren't you? <clears throat> I'm sorry, I don't know. <laughs> I love to play with men like that and show them what real women can do. Mm, I have seen the belts, and they're expensive. They are. Toys, because I call them a toy. They're good for a night. They are good to set a mood or maybe a weekend if you take oh, it's, a lot It's of also a mind fuck. You know, you just yeah. wave it around and, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, it would be a mind fuck to me. I don't want that kind of bacteria in between my legs. Thank you. Uh, well, there is this this thing when you hear the click of a lock. Period. The handcuffs, uh, the call, the the padlock on the collar. There is a mental thing that goes on there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that probably uh, is use the word mental thing. And so that is right where you're going with chastity in this case. That is. Um, Actually, before we get to the mental part of it, I do want to go over um, male chastity devices ah, in themselves. Good idea. Mm. Because it's more of a male-based play, in, in my research and my knowledge, um, 
I there are two forms of this as uh, Woody so just spoke about. Um, there's the form that I do of chastity, which is without a device, and it's more of power exchange and a DS dynamic overlap. And then there is the the same principles of power exchange, uh, DS, what have you, but it does have that physical, uh, bare and physical representation from said device. Um, Male devices can, they can be found in almost anything. We're talking leather, steel, plastic, uh, some that are fully designed for that full, strict uh, encasement of male genitalia, others for a uh, a more breathable and, and soft approach. I don't use devices. I don't use devices just because I'm a mental player. Um, I enjoy knowing that I can, I can do such without having to have that constant physical reminder or I come up with that physical reminder in other ways. And the hygiene issues that I have researched when it comes to such devices. Um, I know of many accounts, many stories and et cetera where men have been in these devices for weeks and months and et cetera. But when it comes into it, you're putting flesh up against a barrier, whether that barrier be metal, plastic, etc. And it's encased. That leads to bacteria, no matter how you try to wash it, clean it, what you use, etc. So uh, as with everything we do in BDSM, the first thing I would do with or say to anybody wanting to experience this kind of play do your research. Know what you're getting into. Trust the individual that's going to be your key holder. Know your own body. Know your own personal hygiene. Know if you have any allergies to said materials, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, because this is one of those risk-aware consensual plays. Um, this is something that, if not done properly, can lead down a very bad road very quickly. Now, I have talked to, we, we just interviewed a guest, uh, the husband of Housewife in Heat, and they had tried the the physical forms of male, of male chastity, and they found two problems. One, they're uncomfortable as hell. And, That's part of it. <laughs> and, the, and you have to go through so many units to find the right one. That's going to fit you, and it's an expensive proposition. You do. They are um, one of uh, one of my favorite companies out there, and, and you're going to pay, but they're very, very good quality. Is Extreme Restraints, um, and one of the most popular devices nowadays, which is the one that I have actually used when I was first coming into chastity and, and learning about it and experiencing it with my partner, uh, and we're at, was like the CB four thousand. Now we're up to the CB six thousand and six thousand S. So that tells you how long ago that was. Six six thousand small. Six thousand small. Yeah. So it's it's for chastity can be for any any anybody anybody of any size range. Um, even if you're a grower, not a shower, you can still participate if that if you want to. Now I have more than six thousand S. I'm a I'm a grower just to just for my vanity. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a grower. It gets better. I, don't worry. I have more than six thousand S for. Uh, a couple hours at a stretch. Found it very interesting. My partner had a date, so I was in six thousand S, and 
she had the date, so there was is arousing and titillating, and arousal is uncomfortable. It's chastity. It's supposed uh, to be, to say the least. It was un- uncomfortable, and the devices have a ring that locks behind the scrotum that secures them on, and it's a very awkward feel. It is. And that goes back to when you're putting skin up against something else. When a guy, no matter how, what size he is, when he gets erect and he's pushing against this device, how long are you actually going to push, push it against that device before you start seeing the Star Spangled Banner? Mm. Mm-hmm. I was able to get the high notes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the um, I have also seen, though, piercings used rather successfully for short-term chastity also yes i have i actually um i i have seen piercings used in in wondrous ways um i actually have a female friend who uh went and had labia piercings done i was lucky enough to go stand by her side and hold her hand as she was going through this horrible horrific experience um she's needle phobic um, but she got it done, and she wanted to get it done because for her own her own reasonings with sex, um, she pretty much wanted to make sure that if she was going to have intercourse with somebody, they were worth it. And so she has a key holder, and she has the she has rings within her labia that she connects to each other, and she even has a plate that's a full chastity plate that she can connect to these rings. Um, and she loves them. She loves the feeling of them, just the, the, the heaviness of them, or et cetera, et cetera. I know other women that have the same thing done. I've seen um, male ha- males have, um, I think it's called a Prince Albert, where it goes through the, sh- the tip of the penis, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a bigger barbell. So they, they cannot penetrate a woman. I have seen the PA used with a scrotum piercing. Bend the penis to the scrotum, lock the two rings together. And you just have a padlock, and erections—they don't—they ha- don't work well. Oh, I would doubt not. It would be yeah, really. I'm funny. sitting here cringing. <sighs> oh, Woody. are you cringing at the PA being done, the scrotum being done, or or having your manly prerogative restrained? Yes, <laughs> Woody. I promise I'll be gentle. Okay. <laughs> What day shall we start the piercings at? No, no, wait a minute. Uh, we'll go nice and, and we'll, we'll start him in a 16 and gauge him from 16, there. 16? I'm thinking we at least need to consider a 8. Hey, who invited you? <laughs> I mean, if we're going to go for an 8, we might as well go for a double zero. Thank you. No, wait a minute. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. A, dub, uh, a pair of double zeros. Um, yeah, yeah. From zero, from. Um, <laughs> Never mind. My mind is just boggling. Go ahead. From zero to red, evidently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's flags flying. With that being said, with, with uh, your uh, your hesitation there, um, one, one interesting thing about these devices is even though that there's no proof in historical context, they have given to light some very interesting anti-rape material. There are such devices now based off of chastity devices and original implementation that um, have given us such thing as unrippable clothing, unrippable underwear for women, or devices that women can actually insert into themselves that when said uh, perpetrator actually does try to initiate said assault, 
He's assaulted by himself without her doing anything. It's like a bear trap inside the uh, vagina. Inside the vagina. It's so wonderful. I would love. The harpoons. I I, I hear in Africa is where they they, they got a foothold and an ideal that they may reduce the the rape. But the problem is you're inserting something in the vagina. It's got to come out on a regular basis to avoid all of this toxic shock Mm-hmm. Stuff that we had already concerns with. It does, but in in such a culture, taking the chance on being raped and abused or having the uncomfortability and the bother of having to take such device in and out every day, what would a woman choose? Mm. Well, in addition to that, the rapist doesn't know if it's inserted or not. So there's a chance there. There's a, there's a huge chance there. And these devices, for our listeners, they are barbed harpoons. Mm. Think of if you've ever seen a, a, a dragon fruit. The spikes on the outside of a dragon fruit are what this thing becomes attached to the shaft of your penis and has to be surgically removed by a hospital. Okay, I just went there. Holy crap. <laughs> well, if you enjoy CBT, yes, please. Yes, 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 yes. Do you talk about your your preference being the honor system and the, your mental hold on your bottoms? What kind of headspace comes with with this kind of chastity for them? As with anything that we do within this lifestyle, um, first and foremost, I'll say that chastity. It's something that it takes time. It takes time to build a connection between partners, to build the trust, et cetera, needed for this kind of relationship because it's a power exchange dynamic. You are literally giving me or your partner control over not only your genitalia, but your sexuality over yourself. Um, And... This form of play, it it takes a, a high mental toll. It can, if not done right, because of the sacrifice that the bottom gives to the top. Uh, and that's why I, I'm very apt to say that it's a DS dynamic. Some some don't play that way, and some it's it's fun for a night, and and I claimed your cock for the night, and and that's it. For me, this is a long term commitment. I will only put somebody in chastity that I have been with long term. It takes a lot of preparation. Um, and, and personally, anything I do within this lifestyle is chemistry based. To me in this lifestyle, if there's not connection, if there's not chemistry, I, I can't do this. I'm not I'm not one of the pick up play people. I know a lot of people that enjoy it and they love the carousel ride. To me, being demisexual and saposexual and all the other things that I am, I need a connection with somebody. I need that moment where we're in the dungeon or we're at a house party or we're playing together for a night by ourselves. And the next thing we know, the entire world is gone and it's just us. And and we lose ourselves in each other and we're both nonverbal and we're in that euphoric state of of being and we're at our most vulnerable and our most primal and 
all of our endorphins are flowing and there there is an actual exchange of, of power of chemistry of hormones uh, of neurons between each other with that being said chastity for me beast you already know this i'm a little bit of a control freak Mm, a little bit yeah just Mm. uh, just a tad and and let's see if i can say this with straight face i am a wonderful angel of a southern belle that would never hurt anybody uh not without their their consent and agreement i will agree with that statement and then after the consent all hell breaks loose. When you achieve these chastities, is it your ideal, or, or are they offering you that? It is never something I will ask for or bring up. Chastity is something that you give to me. Partially because I'm a sadist, and partially because I want to wait you out. And the other part, because I'm a control freak, and because I'm a dominant, and I'm a primal. I want to know that we are at that point in our relationship where... You are willing to give that part of yourself to me. Because that's a serious commitment. It is. Not this. Not only are you committing to the relationship, but in America we take for granted that masturbation is something we can do. But you're giving up that in a, you know, monogamy and sex. That is not uncommon to find. But to give up the right to your orgasms, which is what the, your partner in chastity has given up, that is something that is un-American. Well, you know, we uh, we just had the episode on edging here recently, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, that's giving up an orgasm for a period of time, days, whatever. Now, this can go on from there. And that's something that I incorporate into chastity, um, is edging, is, is tease and denial. That's one of the reasons why I love it. I have, I have so much control. And this is, this is something that was given to me. You know, I will, I will never, if anybody was to ever, you know, well, I want to, you know, come claim my cock right now. Yeah, that's not the way you address me. Thank you. Yeah, I, I don't see anybody doing that to you. They know you better than that. They have, actually. Well, I, I see people trying it. Exactly. They've tried. But it's the, you know, we've we've been play partners for a while. And so now I'm, we're talking or texting one day, and, and, I, and I say it to you. I say, you know, come claim my cock. Come, come whatever. Um, one of the big things... With with teasing and denial or edging that I love is is you can build somebody up with technique and time and patience, a lot of patience, into being able to achieve a better, longer, stronger orgasm. I love nothing more than to arouse a man to the point that his balls are so tight if I touch them they move themselves if I blow on them they move themselves if I get in his ear and I whisper come for me he will without me ever touching him isn't that a heavy heady feeling to to have the male achieve orgasm strictly on your whim that's a wonderful feeling I have seen Male slaves that 
fit that picture exactly, and it is an amazing thing of control and release. I had a submissive years ago that if we were sexual, every time when he was close, he would ask me, can I come? And if I told him no, he would actually lose his erection, so he didn't automatically. I never had to touch him. Mm. Lovely, lovely feeling, isn't it? It's a, it's a wonderful feeling, and that's one of the things I love about this is because there's so much. I'm I'm a tease on a good day, I, I really am, and I'm I'm trying to get a little bit. You're trying to rein it in, please don't. I'm trying please really don't. hard. Um, tease is a wonderful thing. Can you thing. tell by looking at your submissive's eyes if they've been faithful to their contract? Yes. What's that look? There, there's always every individual is different. So with me, this is a, I know you, you know me. Some people look down to the left like normal. Some people hang their head in shame. Other people will, yeah, I, uh, mm. or two days later, I'm really sorry, but I broke rules. Now, remember, you're breaking rules with a sadist. What does this mean? (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the bond is so great that the shame they feel gives themselves away every time. Gives them away every time. What's the what's the longest you have maintained that kind of control? Twelve years. You have one that you've had that control for twelve years. When me and my most re- recent partner uh, ended our relationship, um, yes, twelve years. Twelve years. And I would know every time. Every time he fell off the wagon. Every time, he fell off the wagon. Whether it was, and normally because he's just sexually monogamous it was always masturbation and it would i would i would walk in the house or i'd get a random text message i'm sorry but i had to every time as soon as he saw me or as soon as our eyes met or just he would do it and then after he committed said act i'm sorry i have i have a couple play partners now we haven't exactly spoken about chastity in itself um, but one of my favorite things about it is, you know, the, that, that tease and that buildup of, oh, it's Monday morning and you're really busy at work. And Friday, I sent you a cute little sexy picture just letting you see just, just enough. But you didn't see me this weekend. You're I evil. didn't have time for you. You're evil. You have no idea. Actually, I do. So, <laughs> so Monday morning, and I'm texting you, and I'm letting you know how horny I am, and how much I want to see you, and how much you know I miss us playing. And your hard cock is pushing up against jeans of your uniform so hard. I am all you can think about, and I have been all you can think about for the last three days. Wicked. And then the next thing I know, I have a text message of, you know, come claim what's yours, or I will, you know. Okay, well, you can you can masturbate for me. No, I want to save it for you. It's yours. I don't want to waste your cum. Do you find your partners become more focused on you once they get over the mental hurdle that they've given this up, that they no longer spend energy on their own lust, focus on you more, more fully? Yes. The thing, the thing about Chesty in general is I'm claiming... Your cock. I'm claiming your sexuality. I'm claiming your orgasm. I'm claiming you in general. You're mine. I'm yours. This this is a power exchange relationship that we've entered into. Once they get over the initial hurdle of 
holy shit, I can't have an orgasm at all unless she says, what the hell did I get myself into? Help. <laughs> and we can talk and we can communicate because just, just like with anything else we do in BDSM, everything involves a lot of communication. And once we communicate and we talk about it and you've gotten away from, and, and um, I'm sorry, not sorry to say, the male... Uh, form in general is very rushed about his orgasm. That's what intercourse is supposed to be, 9 out of 10. When you take a, a, a male away from that and you make him focus on not achieving orgasm, but realizing the connection, the chemistry, the touches, the sounds, the smell, the taste of when you are together he's not rushing of oh it feels good it feels great it feels great i'm I'm gonna come i'm gonna come he's attentive to everything going on at all times it's like having a blindfold on when you take away one of the senses all the others heighten and i've blindfolded your orgasm (laughs) you come when i want you to now, the reward. We often hear about the reward for rendering obedience for a period of time. Do you believe in giving the reward, or is the reward always tainted? We hear a lot about the ruined orgasm. I'm not a dominant alpha, et cetera, et cetera, that believes in a punishment reward program. I believe that you're mine, I'm yours, we're going to communicate. If you want something and I'm not being particularly sadistic, which is almost every day that doesn't end on a why, I'm going <laughs> to let you let you achieve it. I know of a lot of individuals in, in, in that, that are doing chastity play that do believe in that. You know, he's he's he or she has been a good girl or a good boy and I'm gonna actually let them have an orgasm today. My technique for such is not necessarily a reward system of you You can have an orgasm today. My reward system goes back to tease and denial. I am going to overstimulate you. I am not going to only make you come once. I'm going to make you come until you beg me to stop. Ooh, you scare me. Yeah. With good reason. You scare me. You can't, you can't go on from there, can you? No, no, no. Well, no, let me finish no, it no. with this. I want... I want to hear my bottom beg me and I mean truly beg me ma'am I have been a good boy please please stop please stop making me come now do you play with women also I do now are there differences in the chesty of the female and chesty of the male there are um, psychologically and physically of course I find that it's actually because chastity is more male dominated. It is easier to not only find a male, but it is also harder to break him mentally. It takes a longer period of communication between the holy shit, I gave her all this control and I'm okay with it. Because guys are all about their dick. Pretty much. Well, well, society is about the male penis. Yes, society is very much about the male penis. Whereas a female, it's hard for us to achieve orgasm anyway, 9 out of 10, unless you're doing the exact right thing at the exact right time. And some women can have 
only clitoral orgasms and other women can have G-spot orgasms and some women can have both and some women can squirt and other women can't. It's a lot easier to get a female to submit into this kind of play based on just her already physical traits. Um, that and society tells us, and I, I can't stand it, but as a psychology major, it is what it is. If people, psychology tells us, sociology tells us, women actually have a natural <coughs> submissive nature, and they want to be... Well, you said that with a straight face. I tried yeah, really hard. But she had to clear her throat, so... Yeah. The, the implication there is women are supposed to be inferior to the male. Not only inferior to the male, but... Women have a natural uh, want, need, desire to be dominated, to be conquered, to be taken, to uh, be naturally promiscuous, unlike the egotistical and aggressive primal form of the male that society teaches us is supposed to be aggressive and in-course driven and non-emotionally communicative, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, in truth, that does describe many, many men. And many women. Just not me. So you're going to continue on with, with, with exploring this this very interesting area? Yes. Any particular areas you are jonesing to add to your repertoire? Not exactly add to my repertoire, but currently I'm unpartnered, and I have a few men that I play with back and forth. Um, I I want the conversation of this is where I want our relationship to go, um, because when a man gives me that power. And he brings it up to me, whether it's in a in a playful text message or whatever. I know that there is a connection. I know that there is uh, the opportunity for something more between us at that point. From what I'm hearing your descriptions, your relationships aren't layered with a lot of needs to reassert and remind about your superiority in relationship. It just that's your position. His is to take the the submissive posture without all the having to constantly remind him of his status. If I have to constantly remind you of your status, you don't know your status. Just like if I have to constantly remind you of mine, then what kind of a domino or an alpha or anything that I t- I claim as title am I? Now, do you find that I, this is this, this is very 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 provocative because your 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 relationship includes a two way tease back and forth where the male is chasing you to a degree. Very 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 interesting. That is that is not the image we have of female dominance. No, it's not. But I don't I don't identify as a dominant. Why I if you if you textbook look me up, there's my picture. I don't identify as that because, to me, power exchange and DS, it's not about superiority and I am, so you will do whatever, whenever. It's about you're mine. I'm yours. You're putting your life in my hands, your trust. You are most vulnerable when we play. You are the most vulnerable you have ever been probably in your life to me at this point. 
And I have the ability to twist and form and do whatever with not only your mind, but your body. You have to have a certain amount of respect and trust and chemistry with for me. I have to have the same for you to want that from you. And one thing that I, I get kind of on my soapbox about when I talk about DS. Well, here, let me let me drag out the box. Okay. Here, climb Put on. it down. And <clears throat> okay, stand up and take the podium. One thing I get kind of on my soapbox about with DS in general is the... Uh, we're going to try to not be nice and cuss on microphone. Um... <clears throat> is there, there, we hope there are never children present for our podcast, so go ahead. We are explicit. Yeah, we, we, we are fucking explicit, thank yes, God. Thank you. thank you. Let it, let it out. <laughs> is the end-all, be-all. I am the end-all, be-all. I am God and creator and alpha and omega, and you will do what I say. I can't stand that in any degree. This is somebody that is putting their life in your hands, their mental stability, their physical stability, and everything about them in your hands. While they have that respect and admiration for you, you as a dominant alpha top, whatever you identify as, you have to have the same amount of respect for them because you, you and yourself, you have not only your life, but theirs. Not only their stability, but yours. In your hands. And, and I find that that um, philosophy very enduring. I, I try to employ a similar philosophy. My toys are my toys, but they're humans. And it's not their bodies only I want. I want their minds. I want, th- I want their hearts. I want their hearts. For somebody that goes proclaiming that they are God with a small G or even a capital G. Uh, I came from the school that you did not call yourself master. You had to earn it from the community, and the community would call you master, at which point you can become one. But if I just say, I am Master Woody, then you can have a good laugh. I mean, Master Woody, the 20-year-old? 20, the 20 well, Grandmaster Poobah Woody. Yeah. Grandmaster Poo. Yeah. I see a phase in your future. That, that's right. I see a phase. Uh, you know, I'm 18 years old and I, uh, let's see, what, what is it? Ah, tell me of your journey. <laughs> Anybody that exhibits anything like that, after I'm done laughing, I, my first and foremost uh, thing to do after is here's who I am, here's what I know. Um, and I've been on many panels because because I am younger, but I've been in this lifestyle long before I was supposed to, way prior to 18. Um, and, and I've been around the block, and I've been around in many communities, and I've been in northern communities and southern communities. And now, because of life, work, et cetera, et cetera, I kind of have fizzled out from our home community. I'm sorry. Um, we will lure you back one of these days. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. But you have paid your dues to be where you are. I have. And my daddy said something. This is just something that always has stuck with me and, and is just everybody probably has heard this at one point in time. Respect is something earned, not given. And in this lifestyle and in life in general, with especially with what we're talking about, we're talking about giving yourself completely 
completely vulnerable in all ways, shape, form, and fashion to somebody. They have to earn that respect from you, just like you have to earn that respect from them for it to work. And that's life in general in anything you do. Any 18, 20-something-year-old, even if you're the same age as I am, I am master, grand mistress, such and such, and I know what I'm doing because I am a da-da-da-da, dom-dom. Now, that brings a question. Are you a master, or are you a mistress, or a dominant? I have heard a lot of women taking the master title because there's some perception of that being uh, more accurate than mistress, which has so many connotations and so forth. Hi, I'm Cat. You're Cat. You're Cat. That's what you are. Yep. No titles. No titles. I don't. In in play, especially in like DS dynamics. Um, Common courtesy. I'm really fond of ma'am. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Okay, ma'am. Southern roots, polite. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you don't need a title. If you go in and play with somebody within the first five minutes, I will know what you are. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing about my play style is it. I bounce just like I bounce in normal day life. It's It's one of those things of... Depending on the person, depending on the dynamic, I will always have that, uh, some people call it intimidating, but I don't, aura about me that this is what I expect. You know, on rare occasion, I actually do bottom. I have seen it. Yes. Uh, this lovely lady sitting over here smiling at me is actually one of the very few that can say she's ever beat the shit out of me and enjoyed it. <laughs> I expect the same thing. If I, if I'm bottoming to you, I'm putting my life in your hands. So you expect the same belt of confidence and surety and interactions. Yes. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation, Kat. Yes, it has. Thank you for having me. It is, and uh, we certainly hope to have you back on other subjects because you are a uh, a plethora of knowledge. Oh, I'm sure I will be. We actually will talk about that soon, I'm, I imagine. We will. But for tonight, we're going to wrap it up and let all the guys that are listening right now go off in the corner and ejaculate. Well, wait a minute. Do, do they have permission? No. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next weekend. Maybe we'll have a better answer for you. (laughs) Yes, maybe we'll uh, let you back in next week. All right. Thanks to everybody. Uh, Thank you, Kat, for coming to visit us tonight. Thank you. And uh, we will look forward to seeing you again soon. You have been listening to Episode 239 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max. Join us next week when we present J. Moyes Kinky PR Person to the Stars. Mm-hmm.